Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. LMFM Podcasts with CNC Carpets. We bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskin. Call 087-660-40-237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets, for all your carpet and wood flooring needs. You're very welcome to Thursday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. As you join us, I'm just looking at the pictures on television. The lectern is outside number 10 Downing Street and British Prime Minister Liz Truss is about to address the media and the nation. I think we should play that song. Will she stay or will she go? Well, I think the odds are certainly stacked in her going, but maybe she'll be defiant still and hang on in there. If there's breaking news, I will interrupt the broadcast. And just tell you what's happening because of course they are our nearest neighbours and the door opens and here she steps forward so let's see uh, what's going to happen but we have a show to do today on late lunch and you're very welcome again and I know you were telling me yesterday you were hiding under the tables with the storm yesterday afternoon well if you were under the tables yesterday afternoon I don't know where you were last night because the lightning and thunderstorm was just something else hope you got through it safely and please God the worst of it has passed now well talk about energy my first guest today is just bursting with it. Anytime we talk to him, anytime you see him on the television, and he's back with a brand new series on TG Gahar. Balkans go, Balkans go Baltics. Jeez, it's nearly hard to say that. Hector, welcome back. Gonna start to Jerry. Time gone mild. August Tosa. I thought you were going to say breaking news. Uh, <laughs> Colm O'Rourke is Colm O'Rourke is walking out of the school to the lectern. John Boylan is beside him. He's about to address the nation. This is this is historical. Colm O'Rourke is live to St. Pat's Na- Secondary School in Navan, where the new manager of the Me team, flanked by his chancellor Sean Boylan, will will address the nation. Well, 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 Hector, wouldn't that be stability? And isn't that stability compared to this? I was looking, at, I was watching your Twitter feed, and there was some guy put up a brilliant tweet, and you retweeted it, Alan McGuinness. The, the, you know the tweet I'm talking about. He was talking about his four-year-old. Four yes, my son, my, my my son, my son has lasted. My son has seen two monarchs, four chancellors, two prime ministers, six secretaries of state, and he's only four months old. <laughs> Well, let me tell you, Hector, while I'm bringing the news to you, she came to the lectern, right? I'm watching it here. 
I told, I just mentioned that. What about ninety seconds? I'm a, ago. I'm a fighter. I'm a fighter. She's gone. She's gone back in the door. She's just come out for about ninety seconds. What has she said? I'm just waiting for it to flash up on the screen here. Let's see what uh, can we get it here for for the listeners today to tell them what has actually happened. Uh, she's gone. Liz Truss is gone as UK Prime Minister. Liz Truss is resigning after 45 days in office. 90 seconds at election. Hector, I know we're, you know, we, we are Irish and we... Listen, we, listen, I don't know what's happening. It's very sad. It is, isn't it's sad it? in a lot of ways. He can, he, with the Brexit, with what's happening across yep. the border. Yep. There's millions of Irish and there's millions yes. of us here that have relations across Correct. the border. Correct. And there's millions that have emigrated there. It's a great country in many, many ways. Yes. But it's so broken on other levels. And yes. the stories are so far removed from from normality. That's not even the Conservative Party of what it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a different element to yes. it now. Yes. The politics is broken in so many places around the world. Mm. So England has a lot of repairing to do. And uh, it's unfortunate because there's so many good stuff over yep. there, but I don't know what's going to happen. These Tories are so far out of mm. reality. And mm. uh, Boris and Liz Truss were cut from the same cloth. Yes. Uh, there's 5,000 or something food, food banks in England now. And uh, it's like this one big wave of storm last night, but there's an economic storm and a global storm yep. happening. Like some people are, are sailing through it in their big fancy yachts, the, the super rich. And then you have the people who are on a canoe. And an awful lot of people are, are there paddling away and some people are drowning in this shite that we're in at the moment. So yeah. uh, with inflation and everything that happened and then the winter that's coming. So as long as we mind our own and we take care of our own, that's all we can do at the moment. Yeah, well said, Hector. Well said, because, you know, it's easy, I know, to, to look across and smile and think, oh, look, at, but you're right. There are so many connections, so many families of people over there and the Brexit thing and all that's going on in the world. You are so right. It's for worrying. The ordinary, for, the ordinary, yeah. for the ordinary decent English yes, person, English yes, woman or Scotsman yes. or Scotswoman or yeah. Welshman or Welshwoman or whatever, they're, they're ordinary decent people at the back of it all. Mm. It's not all about Westminster. You look at Westminster, it seems like it's a scene from a 17th century movie uh, across around the world in 80 days, Phileas Fogg or something. Yeah. These Conservatives are, are old, gentrified English that are not in touch with what's happening in their world at the moment. So mm. it's another blow for the Conservatives. I don't think they, I, I don't think they can last too longer. No, I'd say an election is absolutely imminent at this stage, or it has to be. Anyway, let's get to the the reason you're with me today. You're back on the road, our most intrepid venturer, or adventurer, should I say, around the world. Balkans to Baltics. And you begin, the first show is on the 27th, which is next week, and you're in that wonderful, wonderful city of Istanbul. I take it you went into the baths. I got a Haman. I got up at four o'clock in the morning to go to the Turkish bath. They opened it specially for me. Now, I'm going to open a series of these baths around Ireland. They're going to open one in Nav, and I'm going to open one in Galway, and I'm going to call the Hector's Haman, where, where we can go and we can strip off and you get buckets of ice water thrown over you, you get battered, battered with soapy water, and then battered and slapped and slapped again and more water and get washed. You get exfoliated. Every man needs to be, every man and woman needs a good exfoliation. <laughs> By Jesus Christ, your man battered me, loved me. Oh, my word. But if, on these, in this beautiful uh, Sistine Chapel-like Haman at six o'clock in the morning, and it was a real authentic mm. Turkish Haman. Uh, I came out of there floating at about a half past eight, but then I wanted to go to sleep because it really is a different experience. But mm. It's a world, you know, the Ottomans and the Romans and all the tribes that have travelled through Istanbul and Turkey have been using Turkish baths for, for hundreds of years, so it was a very traditional thing to do. 
it was a nice way to start in Istanbul because Istanbul is one of the greatest cities in the world. Yes. You can have a cup of coffee on one side of the city and walk across the bridge and you're, you're in Europe. Yes. And then walk back over the bridge, you're in Asia. Mm. It's a city of life. It's a city of spices and culture. It's a city of different religions. It's a city of football with Galatasaray and Fernabache and Besiktas. Bashashakir, it's a fanatical city on so many ways. The call to prayer in the distance. You're looking up at these beautiful minaret mosques. There's Christian churches. There's just, it's like, you know when you're in Istanbul that you're in one of the ancient cities of the world. Yes. And we were, on the, we were on the banks of the Bosphorus, which is the only way for Russian ships to get out of the Black Sea to get to the Mediterranean out into the other world. So that 25-mile stretch of water that runs right through the heart of Istanbul, we set it up perfectly on the show. Who would have thought when we started filming in October of last year through these countries that war was breaking out because yeah. we were set to go to the Ukraine in December. Mm. So this whole series, Jerry, is a, is a taste of behind the Iron Curtain, the old Iron Curtain, even though it's gone. Mm. The Iron Curtain was opened again by Putin when he started declared war yes. in March. Mm. So it's a very topical current show that we never thought it would be that topical where every man, woman and child now knows where the Ukraine is. Mm. What countries are around the Ukraine? Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, Belarus, mm. uh, you know, uh, Romania. So we all know geographically now what's happening in the Ukraine, which is only a couple of hours away on a Ryanair flight out of Dublin mm. Airport. It really is. It's that close to us. Besides, the first show is fascinating because it is about where East meets West. But one country I wanted to ask you about that I would be very unfamiliar with, and I'd say a lot of our listeners perhaps, what did you make of Bulgaria? I thought Bulgaria... It was, we came in from the northern borders of Turkey. We did get a great story in Gallipoli. That, that's one of the highlights of next Thursday night. I urge everyone to, to watch it because I'm not a big man for museums or history, but when I stood on the shores of Gallipoli where hundreds of young Irishmen were shot to death as they got off the boats on the beach mm. uh, and the hundreds and hundreds of graves of young 17, 18, 19-year-old Murphys or Reardons, O'Reilly's, Farley's, Flaherty's, Crinians, Fitzsimons's, I was really taken aback when I stood on the shores of Gallipoli where the Irishmen who were fighting for the Royal Irish Rangers, the, the Royal Irish Fusiliers, fighting for the Allied forces at the time. So well, there's a really, it's a really interesting story at the start, Turkey, and then we moved towards the northern border. We crossed over into Bulgaria, into rural Bulgaria, mm. which is quiet. It's, the driver in Bulgaria that we had for 10 days told me a very interesting thing. Because I felt as if they were in the European Union. I felt as if I had some connection with them. I felt as if... But I also felt, they said, well, Hector, we're, not, we're in the European Union, but we're in the waiting room because you haven't accepted our money yet. We can't use euros. They're a little bit falling behind. There's a brain drain out of Bulgaria, a magnificent country. We're in the Rial Mountains, the highest mountains there. We spent three days in the Rial Mountains. And it, it's spectacularly beautiful. It's a country that is still trying to shed the the influence of the Russians that were there for so many years. It's a country that's losing so many young people out of there because of a brain drain. There's not enough, there's not enough work. And that's a problem in Eastern Europe, uh, that so many young people are leaving Eastern Europe for a better standard of living. I mean, in Romania and Bulgaria, if you're getting a couple of euro an hour, two, three euro an hour, yes. you're doing well and working in a bar or restaurant. Mm. It's very hard. Life is very simple over there. But I thought the Bulgarian people are tough people. They've mm. seen many, many different civilizations traveling through their country on the way to Istanbul and Turkey. It's almost like a stop-off point, sandwiched between all these other mighty countries. Yeah. So Bulgaria is yet to find its own feet, mm. but a beautiful, spectacular place. And Sofia, uh, if I can tell you, I didn't know what I was going to find in Belgrade or Krakow or Bucharest or Riga or Vilnius or, Buc or any of these cities. 
But when I got to these cities, I said, my God, if I only knew this, that what I did, you know, we, we seem to fly to Amsterdam or Berlin or Paris or London or Barcelona or Rome for a weekend. What I'm telling the listeners now is if you want to go to a beautiful parts of, of our Europe, travel to Eastern Europe. They're safe. They're majestic. The architecture, the people, the food, the mm. coffee, the bars, the, the life that's in these amazing historical Eastern European cities have to be seen to be believed. I was blown away by Bucharest. It is right up there, one of the finest cities and most amazing, energetic, atmospheric cities I've ever been in in my life. And this is Romania. Because what do we know really about Romania? What do Irish people know about Romania? What comes to mind about Romania? So, you know, there's so much there to see. I know Irish people go to Croatia, and Dubrovnik and all that. And yes, Irish people have travelled. Not that I want you to do this, but I'm telling you, there's another world. Yes in Europe that we really don't know. So that's why I'm proud of this series, that we took a starting point on, in the Baltics, down in Istanbul, and we travelled from one sea, from the, on the shores of the Black Sea, all the way to the, to, uh, to, the, to the Baltic Sea, which is right up in the snow in Lithuania and Latvia. Mm. So it's an amazing trip. And as I say, these are our Eastern European cousins. These are our cousins in Europe, and uh, they're not that far away from us. I can't wait uh, when you're in Poland. I was in Krakow myself just before the pandemic and I went to Auschwitz. I'll never forget it. One of the, those no, experiences. don't talk to me, Jerry. It was unbelievable. We walked in it? the doors. Yeah. The snow mm. on a, beautiful, so, a beautiful winter's day. The snow started, snowflakes falling as I went in through the wooden gate yes. in Auschwitz. Yeah. And uh, it's profoundly, it's profoundly, deeply, the sadness that's in the still of the the quietness of these buildings, the old barracks, the old places where they where they where they, had, they, 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 they held them, where they could get a quick shower if they had hot water and a bit of tiny bit of food, where they were worked to death, in and and where they slept, and when I put my hand on the walls, you could feel it was only seventy years ago. I mean, when you're told to go to the left, women and children to the left of the gas chamber, and men to the right, it's like Horrendous. the horrific barbaric stuff that happened the millions of people that lost their lives, you can feel it in the air. The spirit is there. There's a sadness. There's an eeriness. And I felt actually guilty that human beings could be so harmful to each other and inflict so much punishment and death and Mm. poison onto each other, which is only 70-something years ago. Yes, and as you said, just to go back to what you said earlier, what's happening in Ukraine today, my God, I don't want to even go there. Listen, time's going to be as, and I don't want to let it be as, because I have something to ask you before you go, and we've got to lift the the mood before you leave us. And I just want to say to the listeners today, don't miss this series. It's brilliant. It starts on the 27th, 9.30 TG car, and it goes on uh, for, for a number of weeks, and it's just fantastic. Pierce Brosnan, today, I hear, has been named Navin's first superhero. Hector, we thought that was you. No, 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 no. I don't, I'm not in the superhero categories. But Pierce Brosnan, uh, fair play to Pierce. If he wants to be a superhero, he, he, he can self-proclaim himself as a superhero. But to me, it's, it's a simple fact that there were many more superheroes before Pierce Brosnan. Martin O'Connell was a superhero. Yes. Mick Lyons was a superhero. <laughs> Darren Fay was a superhero. Trevor Giles was a super superhero. Graham Garrity is the greatest superhero to ever set foot and bless us with his presence. A man who stood like Superman in front of Hill 16 and said to the 25,000 doves, I'm a Royal Mead man. I'm a Mead man. And you won't stop me. Graham Garrity, Trevor Giles, Mick Lyons, Colm O'Rourke, 
Sean Boylan. They're the, they're the Avengers. Marvel Comics could make a, a comic out of that. <laughs> they certainly could. Listen, keep on doing the podcast. Love it. Tommy, Hector and Loretta. You're great. And you're uh, just listen, thanks a million. great Marvel following there. Slong of all, Hector. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Isn't he just wonderful? And just before we go to a break, just to tell you again that uh, British Prime Minister Liz Truss has resigned. She's gone. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Thursday afternoon. Now, my next guest is a very interesting person because she is setting up a brand new Sudbury school called True Nature, not far from Ashburn in County Meath. And they're getting starting next year uh, at the beginning of the next school year. And there's an information evening happening about it tonight. I'm delighted to say hello to Rachel Oglesby. Hello, Rachel. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I am really good. And thank you for joining me on the show. So it's different, quite different to formal education, as we know, at schools, classes, etc. What is the concept? How does it operate? Would you tell our listeners, please? Yes, yeah, so um, our school is an alternative to mainstream education for children aged 5 to 18. And it's based on the democratic form of education. And it is very different in lots of ways to mainstream school. I suppose one of the main differences is that it's really based on the principle that we trust children and that they have a natural drive and curiosity to learn, and that they do this through um, self-directed learning and following their own passions and interests. Um, So there's some other um, characteristics that are different. Um, Another one would be that it's mixed age groups. The children aren't uh, separated um, uh, by age or classes, that they're free to mix and learn together and uh, they it works fa- fantastically. Actually, uh, the Sudbury School and Democratic uh, Form of Education say it's their secret weapon because uh, younger children are naturally drawn to um, older children and children that are more competent than them. And it really propels them to, um, yeah, to learn and to, to try and be as good as them. So... And yeah, I, I suppose I'm listening to here, and, and, and it is mm. very, very different. It's not a classroom. Mm. It's mixed, uh, all different mm. ages together. Is, mm. is there formal times? Like like a school, does it start at a certain time of the day and finish? And does it run for five days of the week, Monday to Friday? Um, yes, it does run for five days a week, Monday to Friday. Um, our opening hours are quite different to school as well, in that we, we will be open from 8.30 in the morning to 4.30 in the evening. and um, But during those hours, the children are free to come um, for, for they, well, they're expected to come for the four main core hours, which is 10.30 to 2.30. But outside of those hours um, are optional. So they may come early because um, it suits their family and, you know, they may be early yeah. risers or they may come at 10.30 and, and leave at 2.30. Okay, I can see children jumping up and down as they're leaving school today. <laughs> today, that's my yeah. t- kind of school. That's uh, Jerry Kelly is talking to Rachel on on late yeah. lunch this afternoon about. So, yeah. what about other subjects? Uh, is there a curriculum? So, there's no curriculum. So that's what self-directed learning is really about: the child picking something that they're interested in and exploring it in whatever way they want, in whatever way, you know, that suits their learning style. 
Um, but they will learn the basic subjects like maths and English. They just learn them often in a very different way. Um, we're so used to our educational approach um, and it's all through instruction. But in a, a democratic school or a Sudbury school, the children learn often uh, in, a, in a much more organic kind of way, mm. in a holistic way. Um, they learn through life experience. Um, so, for instance, if a child is baking a cake, there's lots of learning in that. They're practicing their reading skills. They might be working with a partner, so they're practicing um you know, inst- following instructions and and talking together about how they're going to how they're going to do it, and then they're also, um, you know, of, often working on math skills like measuring, multiplying the the recipe for to make bigger amounts or dividing mm. it to make smaller amounts. So, yes. so the learning is different in a way, but the children do then also have a choice to do more instructional type learning. Um, if they, for instance, really want to study maths at a much deeper level, um, they have opportunity to do that. Okay. And um, we would have um, tutors or we would get tutors in to to help them with that. I like that because you're incorporating subjects into creativity, for example, the baking as well. What about other teachers? Uh, you know, who, yeah. who does the instruction or the teaching? Are, are they qualified people? Yeah, well, um, really, um, Sudbury School um, staff aren't called teachers. They call themselves staff. And the reason why um, they call themselves staff is because their role is quite different. When we're not following a curriculum, um, we are really there to support children to facilitate their own learning through self-directed learning. Um, Some of the the staff may be qualified teachers. Um, It's not a criteria for them to be qualified teachers. Some of them would be, as we call, like generalists that might have lots of different generalised skills. Or some of them might be specialists where they may have a degree in, in English literature, for instance, and, um, or whatever subjects um, they have qualifications in. And they may be able to bring that to, to the children. But mm. it's all done through a choice um, based. Nothing is... Um, is prescribed for the children. It's all about the children coming to the learning themselves. Mm, my, my, it certainly sounds really democratic. What about the school yeah. school year terms? Does that mirror uh, traditional school? It does, yeah. Um, we hope to open in 2023. We're not sure yet. We may um, open in um, January, depending on how quickly we get our building, or we may hold off until September. But the school year will um, run from September to June and we will close for for uh, midterm breaks and uh, yes. Christmas breaks and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. OK. What about examinations or tests? Is mm-hmm. that part of the way you operate or not? Well, the children, I mean, we all we all think about our, our future for our children and, you know, we worry because our um, education system is very based on exams and especially the leaving cert, it all kind of comes down to the leaving cert. So there is opportunity for a child attending a Sudbury school to do um, the leaving cert. Mm. But in the other democratic schools that exist in Ireland, there's one in Wicklow, um, democratic, there's Sligo, uh, Sudbury, and there's also West Cork, Sudbury. And um, in those schools, they find that children, when they're given the choice of other pathways, 
they tend to, rather than do the leaving cert, which you have to study a lot of different subjects um, to, to do well at it and to get your points for college, they tend to look at alternatives like uh, QQI, uh, which can be done while they can study for them while they are in the Sudbury School. Yes. And they convert uh, directly into CAO points um, to, for further education. So a lot, of, a lot of students also go to PLCs after they leave um, Sudbury. Mm. So uh, there is a pathway. That's what there I was curious. You know, because as you pathway. say, I often say it here, and we get really uptight about this leaving cert yeah. and the pressure yeah. with children, pressure from yeah. parents, and it is the, the benchmark for moving on to third level or whatever. But I really am mm-hmm. pleased to hear that. How are you looked on? in the eyes of the state? Well, we are registered as an alternative school with TUSLA. So we don't come under um, the Department of Education. And the reason for that is because we don't follow the national curriculum because we do self-directed learning. So we don't get any funding, unfortunately. But um, we are registered and we will be assessed by Tusla as an alternative school. And as I said, uh, the experience of the other democratic schools in Ireland has been very positive and Tusla and the Tusla's inspectors have have, um, rated their schools uh, um, uh, very highly and they've seen how children thrive. Mm. Good to, um, that's really good to hear too and uh, yeah. obviously with the other schools established sometime you can vouch for it that children have moved on beyond your school into third level into further education into the workplace this is it yeah I mean like it, and it's not a new model either just to say I mean the first Sudbury school was established in um, 1968 in America in Massachusetts mm. and it was really born out of the idea of um parents and uh, professionals who felt that the mainstream school wasn't really meeting the needs of their children and they really wanted a progressive type of education. So they set up the first one, so it's over 50 years ago, that's going strong and there's there's hundreds of uh, Sudbury and democratic schools worldwide. So the oldest democratic school was actually in um, the UK, it's a very uh, famous school called Summerhill Um, and um, yeah, so there's a long lineage there of uh, success in this educational model with research backing it up. Yeah. How are you funded? Oh, that's the hard bit. We are at the moment self-funded. Um, we're, we're very lucky um, to be able to um, buy the building that we're going to be in, which is uh, St. Finian's, um, it was formerly St. Finian's National School. Um, so we have, we will have a business mortgage on on the building, and uh, to help support with the build, we are also opening a wraparound service of a preschool childcare service in the same campus, and an after school childcare service for children attending mainstream school but that who need childcare in the afternoons. So. Um, yeah, and then unfortunately, because we don't get any funding from the Department of Education or anyone else, um, we have to charge school fees. Okay. But we are a not-for-profit organisation. It's not about making money. It's really about providing a service because we, you know, we passionately believe that there should be more options for for, for children who mainstream school doesn't suit everybody mm. and. Um, yeah, and it's, it's about time, I think, that we have options. So we're going to be the first um, democratic school in uh, Dublin Meath area.
very very good yeah i'm sure you are and it it, it is Mm. uh, an addition to the whole educational sphere now we've lots of people look at the time of the clock listening to us today as they wait at schools or pick up children from schools so you have a fair captive audience here today i'll I'll ask you this say it rings a bell with a parent or whatever or even Mm -hmm. a child listening and they show an interest in this and they're in mainstream school already can they transfer to sudbury Oh, absolutely, yes. Um, and um, as a matter of fact, our, our school fits in very, very well in our legal system. Um, the other, the other Sudbury and Democratic schools, um, you know, have, have uh, well researched this. And um, it is a parent's constitutional right to pick an education that suits their child. So at any point, uh, parents can remove their child from mainstream education, and that's perfectly allowed. And then um, they can register um, with us and we would assist them with registering with TUSLA um, as attending an independent school. And, you know, you mentioned there it, it ain't for everybody. And I can even mm. think back to my school days, which wasn't today or yesterday. Mm. And you would actually recognise people who, you know, just couldn't take the formal structures and restrictions and you know uh, so uh, tight if you know what I mean and and it has to be done to run schools as well I understand that and big school populations but there are people that what you're doing and and what you're bringing here to the North East would be perfect for that goes without saying doesn't it? Yeah yeah well I mean we believe passionately in the educational approach and you know, there are a lot of children out there struggling and I was one of those myself and I've seen firsthand from my own family's experience of three boys and um, how some children just educational, you know, the, the mainstream educational uh, approach just doesn't suit everybody. So, yeah, this is definitely offering an alternative and an alternative that has a lot of research behind it that backs it up to say it does work. Um, it's it, it's a lot to get your head around. I know it's very different than what we're used to, but um, it has had great success over the years in, in um, other countries and in Ireland so mm. far. And it is coming to the northeast, as you yes. say, Rachel, either mm-hmm. January, if you can get things moving quick enough, yes. but certainly at the start of the new term yes. in 2023. That is for sure the new school year. Now, True yes. Nature is the name of this Sudbury school. Yes. And you mentioned St. Finian's old national school you're setting up That's there. Right. Have you this information? Am I right? Have you an information evening tonight, is it? We, we do. Thanks for mentioning that. We have an information the, um, evening this evening at 7pm in Ashburn Library. Um, anyone's welcome to join us there. And um, also just to say, our location is um, Clanalvi, Garrison, but it's on the Dublin Mead border. So we're easily accessible from um, 25 minutes from Swords, 25 minutes from Drogheda, yeah. half an hour from Navan, and then very close to a lot of the more smaller satellite towns. Mm. And um, just if anyone's interested in more information, um, we'd love to hear from them and they can contact us through our website, which is www.true, which is T-R-U-E, nature, and Sudbury, which is S-U-D-B-U-R-Y, school.ie. Okay, that's great. That's handy there. It's very easy to pick up on that there. And I know you're on social media as well. I've seen your presence on Facebook also. I wish you well with it. It's different. It is an alternative. And good luck over the coming weeks and months. Oh, Jerry, thank you so much. I really appreciate the time you've given us today to spread the word. 
you're Thank very you welcome much. and nice to talk to you Rachel take care yeah. bye bye now bye, bye. that's Rachel Oglesby there from uh, the new school True Nature Sudbury School .ie if you want more information Ashbourne Library tonight at 7 o'clock or they're across social media as well and how to save a life on your late lunch this Thursday afternoon and make sure you stay with us on the show because we will be uh, letting you know how to save a life because it is National Fire Safety Week and Barry Quinn, the Assistant Chief Fire Officer and me, is joining us. Have you a plan in your home if you needed to get out in an emergency? We're talking about that on the show a little bit later on. Several people impressed with Hector Hokagon top of the show he was really serious wasn't he with us Louise today and really yeah, brilliant to deep. be honest Jan D- deeper than he normally mm-hmm. is a very intelligent man and he you know about Liz Trust resigning it happened as we were speaking to him talking about that and the, you know the problems all over the world as well and Mick and Maura and Marie were all, and others all very impressed says great to hear that side so, of Hector yeah, Jerry yeah different side uh, on your show today um, Louise she's gone <laughs> now I have to say when you think of it, forty-five days, and and she's gone. And we, I mentioned we mentioned uh, who was uh, people have milk longer. Yes. Oh, they do. Well, Adrian Taft does. <laughs> I know that Adrian Taft has had milk longer. But when you think about it, Pierce Brosnan and his superpower, superhero, superpowers, God Almighty, our power, it just drained away. It, she had no choice to go because she campaigned for leadership on one thing. That's all been torn on its head. So now she stands for nothing. She had to go. Who will be next? Who do you think? You're the one that follow following this. Well, really, you know, I, I just see Graham Brady. He's that 1922 committee or whatever the Conservatives have said. There'll, there'll be a new Prime Minister within a week. And that means the MPs will have a say. But he says the membership will as well. Now, I don't know how they're going to do that. It took them months to get to the point where she was elected leader. The one thing I'll say to you is Hunt has been impressive since he's come in. But Rishi Sunak was the runner up, mm. right? And very close to her. And his policies are exactly what they're pursuing now. So it might make sense to appoint him. But then you see the knives are out for him because he got rid of Boris, really. You know what I mean? They're in turmoil. The best thing is... Election. Yes. Have a prime minister in place and call an election and let the people decide. Go to the people and let them elect a Prime Minister which is needed that's really what's needed it wasn't so serious it'd be entertainment really wouldn't it well you see and that's the point Hector made as well it's very serious it's Mm. very serious when you look at America you look at the UK the war going on in Europe the right in Italy you know there's a lot of things going on in the world that are not good are not good and that's the the real worry and as Hector says we've got to look out for ourselves you know mind the people around you mind your families take care of people closely that is the important thing and everybody needs to do that but look the world has come through a lot of turmoil in the history of the world and humanity's uh, uh, time here on the planet. And please God, uh, things will start to resolve. It's not easy, I know. It, it's not going to be easy, but there you go. Late Lunch LMFM Radio this weekend. Yes, the Drogheda Motor Show is back. It's in the heart of the town. It's on Lawrence Street in Drogheda. And we meet a couple of the car dealers who will be displaying their wares in town this weekend. Yes, it's all happening on Lawrence Street in Drogheda this Saturday. I'm talking about the Drogheda Motor Show 2022. Their theme this year is My Car, My Way, celebrating the individuality in car ownership. And it's a really unique opportunity to sit in, look and experience the different new 231 Reg cars 
uh, on the street of Drogheda this weekend. So if you're a car lover or you just want a day out, there's lots happening for the family. It's this Saturday in Lawrence Street between 10am and 5pm. You can check it out on brandnewdrive.ie. But we're talking about it for the next while on Late Lunch with two of the dealers who'll be there displaying their wares at the weekend. I'm delighted to welcome to Late Lunch Alan Reynolds from Brian Reynolds Mazda MG and Fiat and from uh, Blackstone Motors, of course, main Renault dealer Stephen Redman is here. Folks, you're both very welcome to the show. Thank Thanks, you for Jerry. joining Thanks, me. Jerry. Thanks an awful lot. Alan, if I could start with yourself. From a dealer's perspective, what does an opportunity like this present to you? It's a great opportunity. Uh, it's terrific to get out of the dealership for a little while as well. Um, what we find really works is that kind of carnival atmosphere. We get people out and about. It also takes the pressure off customers or potential customers they don't feel like there's there's this issue like if I go in there I might have to buy a car so that's that's out the window that doesn't happen at all you come you see all the models you can make an informed decision you can talk to everyone that's on the stands and it's a really good day out for everybody fun for the family fun for everybody it's really really good you'll do deals oh we will <laughs> that's for sure well that's what we're there to do yes that's what we're there to do as I said we have um We've loads of offers. Uh, I speak for all the dealers when I say we have loads of offers. There is uh, cars are slow enough coming through, but we're taking orders and we'll have cars for next year. And that is an issue, isn't it? Even at this time of year, to bear in mind that if you're thinking of of making the move, this is a good time to do it. This is the time. We even we pulled it back on purpose. We were later. It was much closer to Halloween last year, so we've pulled it back to give everyone a bit more time to make sure that they can get the car that they want. That's mm. the important thing to us. Stephen, from uh, Blackstone Motors' point of view, when, when, when you, this day happens and afterwards, the leads you, you uh, establish from it, the people who come to your stands and see your different cars, it, it makes a difference. You see that come to you in, 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 beyond the, the show itself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, even people are still coming into the showroom and the dealership at the moment and they're already asking about the show this year because they'd seen it last year and they'd seen the style of cars and the different kind of brands we had down there. But just even for them to come in, experience the cars, um, see them on the day, on the street, and then they actually get a feel for the car, especially we're going to have some of the newer newer models from the Renault range. The new Megane is going to be there, um, which is after winning loads of many, many awards across Europe for the new electric car. So, like, for the amount of customers that I had and the other lads in the showroom uh, who have customers waiting to see this car, they're going to see it at the show on the day. So come on down, have a look at it. When you talk about the Megane, and it has received a, a lot of plaudits for sure, and you say full electric, because yeah. I want to talk to tell you about this because this is a big question that people are asking and you're going to be fielding this you know this for sure on Saturday in the heart of Drogheda yeah. petrol diesel mild hybrid hybrid electric where is it along that spectrum at the moment Stephen? Um, it depends on your day to day routine but total cost of ownership when you go electric does come down uh, your service costs come down your running costs your everything really it's cheaper to run an electric car I know it's a big outlay at the start but you think total cost of ownership in an electric car is quite substantially less than a, um, a combustible engine and the range is sure to look at I remember starting talking about it in this show with Tony Conlon and we were delighted to be getting a couple of hundred kilometres but the, the newer marks and everything the, the range is terrific yeah them, I mean it? the new Megane is a 60 kilowatt battery and it's 450 
Mm. Kilometres on a full charge. Yes, so, cover really uh, any yeah. long distance in this country. From Mazda's point of view, uh, to say to you today, Alan, what about you to answer that same question? Do you agree with what Stephen says there? Yeah, well, there's 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 going to be 18 motor brands at the show. Okay. Um, we're not, they're, they're not all going to be electric cars. So petrol and diesel is not, don't rule it out just yet. Okay. It's still an option, especially if you're doing big miles. Diesel is still a good option for people. Um, there's hybrid, there's all sorts, but electric is definitely where it's at at the moment. Mm. There seems it seems to be hot. We've 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 Mazda, so we have CX six, sorry MX sixty in in Mazda. We have our new Fiat five hundred, which is an electric car, and we've the new or we've the new MG range as well, which mm. is fully electrified, which mm. has the MG four and and the ZS and a lot more lot more stuff coming. So, like, there will be lots of electric cars there. I wouldn't rule out petrol or diesel. You know, cost-wise and stuff, electric is still quite expensive. Mm, to get well, into. To get into. Yes, that's the thing. And that's what everybody says to you, how, you know, to make that jump. Could you get, Could you do it more help from government? Or, you know, we're always calling yeah, on the government to help us with everything. There's, there's a good bit of help there at the moment. Anyway, I'd yeah. Be, I'd be more encouraged not to take the help away. Right. Do you know, because okay. the, there is a €5,000 grant there at the moment. Mm. And uh, whereas it's not, the VRT is not exempt, it's, it's much, much lower because of obviously there's no CO2. But um, there is talk of taking it away. So if you are thinking of electric cars, there might be, it might be the time to order one. To, to actually order one. What about, uh, another question I want to put to you, is the day of the saloon over? People are saying to me, you know, everyone wants a crossover to be a bit, little bit higher off the ground. Is that a fact? Is the saloon finished? Stephen, no, no, no I, I don't agree. I, um, I don't agree with the new Renault Arcana, which is a saloon crossover. Um, I know, like a lot of people like a bit of height, and I get it. The height is nice. It's nice to have the height, but it's also nice to have the, a good bit of boot space. So yeah, I don't agree. The saloon is gone. Station wagons. This was another I was told when I have both of you in here today. Are station wagons still a thing? Yes, there are station wagons. Yeah, um, MG actually have MG five, which is the only electric station wagon which is on the go um, I find I've, I've found over the years that we, whereas we would have sold a lot of saloons and station wagons um, if you needed the space in a saloon you would have went for the station wagon whereas the SUV and that's why it's kind of winning in, 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 in all the reports is it ticks two boxes mm. do you know you're a bit of height and you have that actually boot space as well so mm. it's I wouldn't say the saloon is dead either no either. definitely not yeah, because you've produced beautiful... Well, you mentioned the Arcana that you have at the moment. Mazda had a great reputation and has for oh, wonderful yeah. saloon cars. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Mazda 3, um, Mazda 6, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I was looking at your range of cars, both of you. Like, you have something there to meet anybody's needs, really. And and you're right to say, oh, we must mention all of the dealers yeah. have their own, you know, particular marks, models, etc. But there is a fantastic, fantastic uh, range on offer. There's a question from a listener, and I suppose it's one to feel. Is there any issue, Jerry? will you ask them uh, in trading a petrol or diesel against uh, a hybrid or an electric car? No. Not at all? Not, no. 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 Absolutely we, not. We, there is a shortage of used cars. There's never been a better time to trade in yep. your car. Mm. We need used cars and we will happily take 
any used cars. Mm. I speak for myself, a Brian Reynolds car salesman. <laughs> and but, for uh, black snow <laughs> <laughs> Of course, don't waste this opportunity, yeah. boys, uh, when you're here. Do you know this thing of build your car? And I've seen it on your website mm-hmm. as well, where you you know you go in and you click and configure. you yeah. can configure your car, I presume it applies yeah. to both of yeah. you as well. Do people actually do that? Or are we still of the view that we go into the showroom, we talk to you guys and the salespeople, and we put our trust in you, and really you build the car for us? Stephen? Uh, a bit of both, really. I've had a few customers that came in, you get a unique code once you do it online, uh, and they I put the code in and I have a look at what they ordered. Um, I suppose the only other advocate to that is that is trying to get the stock if you're looking for something with a particular glass roof or a particular colour mm. that can be a little bit tricky but yeah I mean people still do it people come in they see they have an idea that they see a colour but when they come into the showroom then they see a different colour and they go oh yeah that's what I want and yeah. that's what's good about the show isn't car, it the car is still a huge investment yeah so whereas people will always like I I would check reviews of I check five or six reviews of always buying a phone mm-hmm. do you know so check the reviews check the configurator but buy from somebody you think you can trust. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about Saturday, we have to say, that you will not see as many colours and cars and models yeah. on the one street. 60 vehicles on the road, on, uh, on the, road, on yeah. the street. Now that is all, it's, all in one, it's amazing. one place. And, it is together at once. and there is a huge team pulling behind it all. Like yeah. the, to Hats off to Robert and the guys. Yeah. It's, be, it's been brilliant. Mm. The finance element of things and people, you know, generally finance a car through, you know, borrowings from a bank, from the credit union. If you're lucky that luck enough to have the savings, well, they can put it into it as well. What about your own finance options? Yeah, we have a dedicated finance specialist there on the day. He'll be there to answer any questions anyone has, whether it's higher purchase, PCP, whatever, whatever questions they have. We're going to have the guy there. Graham is his name. He'll be there on the day. Yeah, I'll, I like that. We'll, we'll have our guys there as well. Um, there is that, like you can you can pretty much get whatever finance packs to t- tailor to suit you best. Now, mm. it, it'd be remiss if I didn't say didn't mention First Citizen Finance as well, who's, which is who's, Robert, who yeah, are Murray's Robert people, Murray, who yeah. are deeply involved with this oh, show. They, they sponsor the show. They as well, sponsor. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, doing a great job. And yeah. Robert is doing a fantastic, and he does, and his enthusiasm oh, uh, yeah. for, for this is is just unbelievable. Um, on Saturday, uh, when you arrive in uh, Lawrence Street in Drogheda, we want to say this as well. The traders are very important to mention here in the street because without their cooperation, there would be no show. Absolutely. And 100%. the council, of course, yeah, who. Absolutely. And, and the Gardaí. Yeah. who put this yeah. thing and make it happen yeah. on a street in the town. But it's important to acknowledge them oh, today. Absolutely. And they're, yeah. they're, they're brilliant. They're brilliant. And, and I'm sure they'll be taking advantage of, of, of the footfall on the day as well. So True. the mm-hmm. shops will be all open, the cafes, you can get. You can pretty much get whatever you want on Lawrence Street. And uh, Magician. There's yeah. a wonderful magician. Uh, will be on the street all yeah. day. Activities for children, the family. It's going to be a festival of fun around uh, the, whole the, street. the whole street yeah. and, and the motor show a, a, again this year. Ah, there's nothing to beat the smell of a new car, is there, when you sit in? I have to say, boys, it's you know when you talk about something that makes you smile yeah. in life, and I've been lucky and privileged enough to experience it, but there really isn't. And I'm not knocking any car at all, but you know what I'm talking about, Alan? You know yeah. that when you just... Oh, if I could bottle it, I'd be... I wouldn't be in the motor trade. I'd be, I'd be in the aftershave trade or something. I understand that fully. Anyway, boys, look, thanks for dropping in today. And uh, Blackstone Motors, Renault... Uh, Brian Reynolds, Mazda, MG and Fiat will all be on the street in uh, Lawrence Street in Drogheda this Saturday from 10 to 5. 
everybody welcome I wish you and all the dealers the very best and please God the weather does its thing yes, for us on Saturday course. thank you both for joining thanks, me Jerry. thanks Jerry thanks, thanks for your support each day on Late Lunch round about now this happens The Late Lunch Artist of the Week Artist of the Week Nina Simone in focus with me this week on Late Lunch and during the 1980s she performed on a regular basis at Ronnie Scott's legendary jazz club in London where she also recorded a live album. She was uh, operating out of Paris as well where she also appeared regularly at a small jazz club there but her moods on stage were erratic to say the least. She was drinking heavily at this stage. She walked off stage on many occasions, abused the audience and that all became commonplace. Thankfully friends intervened, moving her uh, to Nimogen in Holland where she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Slowly Nina improved as she moved to Amsterdam in the early 90s where life was really good for her. In 1993 she finally settled in the south of France, released her last album. It was called A Single Woman and performed live throughout Europe and back in the United States during the 90s. Sadly, she was diagnosed with breast cancer, which she lived with for a number of years before her passing on April 21st, 2003. Today's song, in my opinion, best sums up how Nina would want to be remembered. Baby, you understand me now If sometimes you see that I'm mad don't you know no one alive can always be an angel When everything goes wrong you see some bad But I'm just a soul whose intentions are good Oh Lord, please don't let me be misunderstood Don't let me be misunderstood Ah, Miss Nina Simone, isn't she brilliant? What a rendition of that song. Please help me not to be, don't let me be misunderstood, as the lyric says. And uh, I'm sure many people remember her fondly and her wonderful vocal talent and great piano player as well. And I'll round off the week of Nina Simone here in Late Lunch tomorrow afternoon, round about the same time. Now... Halloween is on the way, of course, uh, getting closer by the day. And round Halloween time, it's a challenging time for the fire service. And this week is National Fire Safety Week. So it's a good time to have a chat with somebody in the know. Next on the show, I'll be joined by the Assistant Chief Fire Officer for Mead, Barry Quinn. It's National Fire Safety Week this week and no harm to remind ourselves of the basic fire safety care we should all have operational in our homes. I'm delighted to say hello to uh, a man who knows all about what we should all do to make life safer for us. He's the Assistant Chief Fire Officer for Meath, Barry Quinn. Hello, Barry. Afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much for joining me on the show. First off, you know, you've prompted something even with myself, and I'm thinking about this uh, since I knew you were coming on with me. A plan if a fire broke out in my house. I don't have one, Barry. Oh, Jerry, you shouldn't be saying that to me, but hopefully after chatting with me, Jerry, 
you'll be able to implement the plan and if you do need to use that plan some day or some night, you'll do it safely and you'll be able to get out of the house in a safe manner. I suppose to have a plan, Jerry, the first thing you have to be aware that there's a fire in your house. So we would all recommend that you have a minimum of two smoke alarms installed in your house. If you live in a two-storey house, we would look one installed in the entrance hallway and one upstairs in the landing. Or if you live in a bungalow, definitely two smoke alarms installed in the hallway of the bungalow. So to answer your question, if the smoke alarm goes off, you have to get out of the house Mm. safely. So what we would say to you, you're going to have to plan your escape plan. And how you go about doing that is it involves a nighttime check that at night time you ensure that your exit routes in and out of your house are clear, that there's no clothes or if there's children in the house, bicycles on the landing, bicycles can be in the hallway, no obstructions on your escape route. Make sure that when you lock your doors at night time, you have access to a key that you can open your doors quickly and readily. And once that is done, that is the main thing to your plan. When the alarm goes off, you have to get out off the house. Make sure that all family members are alerted. Just don't think about yourself. Check all family members. Make sure that they're awake. Get them out of the house and slowly but surely make your way out of the house. If you find that there's smoke in the landing or in your escape route, we do advise to get down as low as possible where the air can be a wee bit more breathable and crawl and make your way out of the house in a safe manner. And Barry, um, that is really good advice. I do have the alarms and I check them regular and that is very important. And of course, when an alarm goes, it, it generally detects smoke at an early stage. But I was just thinking, in most homes, say two-storey, let's talk about a, a two-storey house for the moment. <laughs> and if a fire took hold in the hallway or somewhere down there and you couldn't get down the stairs, should you make provision to get out windows or, or, or what? what? What's your 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 advice there? Absolutely. You should always have a plan B. Most people will have a mobile phone within the room. We don't advise of charging the phones overnight. Mm. But have your phone on a bedside locker. If you're unable to make your way out through your normal escape route, we'd advise you to close the room, close the door into the room, get a duvet or a blanket, put that duvet and blanket under at the bottom of the door to prevent any smoke coming in, make your way towards the window, open the window, And if possible, you may be able to make your way out through the window. But hopefully you would have called the fire service at 999. Mm. They will be en route. If you're unable to jump from the window or make your way out from the window, by the time the fire service arrives, they shall be able to rescue you using ladders and take you safely out from a first floor domestic dwelling. Yes. But the important thing, and I want to go back to this and emphasise it, working smoke alarms checked regularly will pick up the merest sign of smoke. And that's really the point you start from, Barry. Oh, absolutely. As we do say, a minimum of two smoke alarms should be installed in every house. You can go above and beyond that and have an an enhanced safety system by installing smoke alarms in your sitting room where you may have a high number of electrical items. You may have, a lot of people are working from home now. You may have electronic systems in there, such as computers. Again, we we would advise that maybe a smoke alarm be installed in there. So early, early detection. The earlier the detection, the safer your route will be to leave your domestic house. Folks, if you do nothing this evening following this conversation, 
check your smoke alarms. Please do. And if you haven't got smoke alarms, put in at least two, as Barry says there. Will you do that for us? If you do that today, that's a huge step forward. But that's great advice on the plan as well. Barry, to move on, uh, Halloween I mentioned, and you guys, you know, you're busy. It goes without saying over the coming days and into early November. Um you wanted to, you know, use this opportunity to talk to businesses uh, about, you know, young lads are going around looking for items to build bonfires with. What have you to say to business owners? Well, as we say, Halloween is traditionally a very busy time for the fire service. And what we are encouraging is, and me, County Council, have actually got an amnesty in place for two days, for October the 28th and October the 29th, where all combustible materials that possibly could be used in a bonfire can be left at any of the local recycling centres within County Mead. So what we're asking is all business owners and even household owners who have combustible materials that potentially could be used in a bonfire, don't give them to anybody who may be asking for them. Please use this amnesty that Mead County Council has in place for two days and leave these combustible materials at these recycling centres free of charge. And that amnesty is open to all Mead County Council, all Mead County residents, and it's important that they will avail of that there. So you're not charged, it's open. You can go in on those days, 28 and 29, with that stuff, and it'll be taken off you. It'll be, t- it'll be a two-euro entry charge into That's the all. recycle centre. Nominal. That's all. Everything, Nominal. Everything else will be taken correct, Jerry. And we'll ask people to avail of that service over those two days. That's a great offer as well to, to do that. Look, bonfires, I can remember them when, when I was a young lad many moons ago as well, but they were certainly on a far lesser scale than you see today. Some of the fires and what's put into them, really for the environment and for the health of the people and safety standing around them, you, you know, they're, they're really disasters waiting to happen. And I don't want to be a killjoy, Barry. No, we certainly don't want to be a killjoy. But we would discourage anybody from attending any bonfires. The materials that are used in bonfires, the toxic fumes that they can give off, it can cause uh, respiratory problems for people who are standing nearby. Again, the other types of materials, there could be aerosol cans, there could be other types of materials. When they heat up within the bonfire... They can become projectiles and you could be hit. So again, for your own health, it's important that you don't attend any of these bonfires. Again, you touched on it there. The toxic fumes, the soap that's coming off these bonfires will have an impact on the environment and the surrounding areas. And depending on wind direction, these smokes, the smoke could travel towards houses. And again, that can become a hazard for the people who are living within their houses so we do advise and discourage people not to attend any bonfires or hold any bonfire events over Halloween. And, you know, youngsters as well, parents of youngsters, if you can at all, to, you know, caution them and know where they are. Because we see lives changed, young lives changed with children maimed and burned. This is a fact. This happens, Barry. It does indeed. Uh, illegal fireworks can be used. And again, that we discourage the use of all illegal fireworks. People have been known to have lost fingers. They've got serious bones from inappropriate use of unlicensed fireworks that can have life-altering injuries. So again, we would advise parents and we advise children not to be using any of these unlicensed fireworks. Yes, and uh, there's a campaign actually advertising at the moment warning people about this, that they are illegal and you shouldn't be using them. And I know, Sherlock, 
Uh, the, it started already down where I am. You can hear the bangers and stuff going off already. Not a huge amount of them, but it generally builds it to a crescendo. And I know despite all the, the advice that's given and the appeals that are made, it, it still happens. But look, you're, 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 you're forewarned today. That's all I have to say to everybody. You really, really are. National Fire Safety Week, do as Barry says at home. Uh, businesses, if you can cooperate, and reminding you those two days in me, 28th and 29th of October, for two euro, any combustible material to the recycling depots will be taken from you. Safe Halloween, and thanks for joining us with the uh, great advice today, Barry. All right, thank you, Jerry, and I want to wish everybody a safe and a happy Halloween. Thank you indeed. That's Barry Quinn there, Assistant Chief Fire Officer for the County of Mead, bringing the curtain down on our late lunch show this Thursday afternoon. We've one more to do to complete the set for the week. That's tomorrow, Friday. Uh, Phil Coulter's with me on the show. Love Phil. And to celebrate his birthday, he's back on tour again and she'll always have a crack with Phil about many things under the sun. Cathy Crinion is with me. She is a new string to our bow. David Sheehan covers off sport. We've got comedy TV theme and more besides. All coming up on your late lunch Friday from 1.30. Eddie Caffrey's on his way next here on LMFM Radio with The Drive. Wonderful music and more besides. Do take care this evening. <laughs> Thank God it's not going to be like last evening. The weather forecast is a little better, uh, thankfully. But the evening's getting darker now for sure. So do take care if you're out walking, out and about in any way these evenings. Light up. That's another bit of advice as well. One thirty Friday. You, me, Louise. It's a date. See you then. LMFM Podcasts. With CNC Carpets, we bring the showroom to you. Or book a new showroom appointment on 87 When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.